You are about to receive messages that may be harmful to your mental state. Your sense of reality will be questioned. Your view on things will be altered. You are now part of the Meta. The Meta controls everything. The Meta determines what will and will not happen. You are watching the Meta Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Meta Show. Today is September the 5th, 2020. It is Saturday. I am Brisk Ball, your host, joined by, as always, our favorite space dictator, the Matani. Hello, hello. I, uh, it, it is kind of strange. Like, I feel like August lasted like three months and also like one week at the same at time. At the same time, and, yeah. And, and so now it's like, here we are, it's September 5th. And I'm like, my God, it is actually September 5th. How did that happen? Wow. Uh, well, it's it's good to be back. We have a, a traditional show for you guys today. Where I mean traditional, I mean I am in a red shirt, which means you will not get like uh black shirt mittens or nice guy mittens we're gonna we're gonna hurt a few blurfs we're gonna go through some space news we're gonna be uh nice and traditional and wow the sub spam has begun already sideth just gifted 10 tier one subs uh that's pretty fucking badass thank you my I friend got, very nice uh i think we've got some uh sub hype going on soon i have no idea how any of this shit works but apparently uh there's like a twitch special on saving anyway whatever i'm clearing pop-ups i have no idea how any of this works we're just gonna we're gonna dive right in so what, what do we have for what do we have for everybody today we actually have some big ccb news like we're gonna we're gonna get to discuss this whole quantum core situation we have a traditional null sec power hour segment where we will go to the null sec power hour and we will talk about the news of the war which there isn't too much but we're gonna go through that uh we had uh, a very aggressive whelp where we went into the enemy's territory and then we lost a bunch of shit the other day uh, and then beyond that, whatever. So like the war news has been kind of compressed into Nulsec like Power Hour, like the way it's supposed to be. Um, so yeah, it's kind of cool. Like we're gonna we're gonna get back here and we're gonna, we're gonna talk about some fucking Eve Online. So uh, let's do it. Let's. Uh, where, would, Briss, do you have a soapbox for us this week? I, where, I have a small soapbox this week, and I mean, I, I think it, it probably could be telegraphed pretty quickly. And you know, coming from the the issues that we had with the Quantum Cores being released, one thing I just wanted to reiterate to our dear friends as I fix my headset. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the 17th year of EVE Online. We have seen massive changes to this game made year after year after year. And the one thing that has remained constant in all of those changes is the game is still here. We are still playing it. There are people still playing the game. And frankly, right now, it is a Saturday afternoon in the fall there are 33,000 concurrent users playing Evil Online right now. That's a good sign, okay? The news of the quad, the, the Quantum Core release, uh, this quadrant, uh, came out, I believe, on Tuesday. And it sent shockwaves throughout New Eden, and we're going to talk about why later. But the one thing that I kept seeing and kept hearing, as I did my normal CSM sweeps of all of the different EVE-related media, whether it was Facebook, whether it was Twitter, whether it was the EVE Online forums or Reddit, was there was a feeling, at least among some people, that, oh my God, this is the end of the world. They're destroying the game. Everybody's going to walk away. I can't do any of the stuff that I did before. It's going to cause so many problems. Why are they doing this? CCP, you don't understand your game. You don't understand this. All right. We can debate, and we will debate later in the show, the efficacy of this new idea uh, and whether or not the impact is going to be marginal or huge or a little bit, or we don't know, and we'll talk about that later. If there's one thing that I can guarantee, ladies and gentlemen, the show will go on. The game is going to keep going. You don't have to go into every single major change of the game throwing out these apocryphal Armageddon-like ending-of-the-world scenarios just because they're making a change that's going to have an impact, especially if it's one that has an impact on your wallet. I know. I don't want to spend any more money. God knows the Imperium is going to be on the <laughs> chain for something all in the order of three to four trillion-esque worth of these cores if we core up every single structure we currently have. It's a lot of isk. We know that. We know that smaller groups are going to have the same problem. We know that high-sec industrialists are going to have the same problem. We know that low-sec guys with their random structures are going to have the same problem. We know the wormhole guys are going to have the same problem. And by the way, they fixed the wormhole issue, so you can thank me later. The point is, 
it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. So let's just try to have a calm and rational discussion <laughs> about a game change for a change. I know, and Mittens is laughing because when does that ever happen, right? Well, let's, let's just try and see if we can talk about this like adults and come up with, you know, at least if, if we don't come up with good ideas, tell CCP how to fix it or how to get where they want to go. At the very least, we can go in with open eyes knowing that this is not going to end the world as we know it. So that's my soapbox. Yeah, that's, that's two weeks in a row. You guys have gotten legitimate dad speeches from me. <laughs> I don't want to make it three. But oh my. that's well, it. We're done. We'll, we'll try to make sure that there's some sort of like crazy drama or something next week. So you can, exactly. uh, you know, pine cones to Linda asked or something to, you know, uh, to I haven't seen pine cones this whole war. You know, they haven't I killed know, me I once. This sucks. I know. But uh, a couple different things. So I, I have a very brief one. Uh, I was, uh, I don't actually have like a soapbox, but we do have a new feature on the Imperium News Discord, uh, which uh, something we started for Theta Thursday and it worked out really well is we now have a public chat on the Imperium News Discord, uh, which uh, uh, was linked here in chat just a, a little bit ago, uh, where you can not just get banned from chat here if you annoy me you can you probably won't get banned from chat on the actual INN discord but you can come there it's open to anybody who's on the discord and uh yeah like if you go there right now you can be like hey look hey look i am typing a thing live and then i hit enter and voila so yeah um that's cool if you're into that whole like talk show discord kind of thing this is open to all and you can see there you go um and yeah, so that's pretty cool. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but let's uh, let's do the quantum core thing, which means that we are going to pivot, I believe, into our official top story. So CCP announced on Tuesday that they are introducing a new concept into the game, essentially for all structures that exist. And, I, and when I say structures, I got into a big debate with some random people on, on the Evo forums. When I'm talking about structures, I'm talking about citadels, upwell structures, and engineering complexes. Not the small flex structures, not stations, uh, not posses. But for all of the, the typical things that we see in space every day, your Keep Stars, your Fortazars, your Astrohuses, your Retarus, your Tartaras, your Satoyas, those types of, of structures. Beginning on September the 8th, a new chip item thing is going to be introduced in the game called a quantum core. What that co the cores are going to be of varying size volumes, sizes. They're going to fit into each of these different types of, of structure. And they have a different cost. They'll be sold by NPCs. And players will have to get them only from NPCs. They can't be built from other players. The point of these cores is beginning in October, you will not be able to online a structure at all that you are placing anywhere in New Eden if you don't have one of these cores inside the structure. Essentially what will happen is the repair timer that starts at the end of unanchoring will never start. It will be in permanently anchoring state unless you put one of these cores in. And then two months later, January the 12th, 2021, all of the existing structures that are currently in the game need to have one of these cores in. What happens if there's no core? Well, then the structure loses tether. It loses the ability to repair ships. It loses the ability to uh, fit ships. So if you happen to dock in one of these stations in or structures in January, say January 14th, it doesn't have a core in it, and you want to move your drones around, you, can't, you won't be able to put your drones in your drone bay. You won't be able to take a rig off a ship. You won't be able to put a rig on. You won't be able to take a... Uh, 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 micro warp drive off the ship and put it back on. You won't be able to fit your ships at all. Now, everything else about the structure will stay the same. They'll still, you'll still be able to use the clone bay. You'll still be able to use the market. You'll still be able to use the, uh, the various other types of, 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 of uh, services that are provided in these structures. Just no tether, no repair, no ship fitting. That's in January. So that gives us all five months or so uh, to get this ready to go. Now, that's a, these are not cheap. They're going to be expensive. And they're apparently the cost of the value of the core is based on the size of the structure. So I'll throw the link into chat to the article uh, that CCP posted with all of the details so you guys can see it. And 
essentially the smallest of the structures. Uh, the Astrohus will cost a 600 million ISK. The Athenor, 700 million. The Retaro, 800 million. And it goes up from there. Forts will be 4 million. Tataras uh, will be 3.5. Asbels will be 3,000. 3, 3, 3 billion, sorry. Keep Stars, 30 billion ISK. And Satoyos will be 10 billion ISK. They've changed the sizes. The new Keepstar and Satoyo size. Originally, there was there was a big issue that that came up. The Keepstars and Satoyo, the volume is was originally going to be 250,000 M3, which meant that only a freighter would be able to move these around. There are some Keepstars and larger structures in smaller class wormholes where ships that can carry that size of uh, of a core could not go. CCP is in the process. I believe they've already changed that. I think I saw this morning that they changed that to 95,000 so that an Orca with cargo rigs will be able to get in. Uh, so the wormhole guys were concerned about that. That's been taken care of. But this is significant M3 for the biggest, biggest stuff. Uh, the Fortisars, the Tataros, the Asbels are all going to be 50,000 M3, which means you're going to need at least a blockade runner uh, or some kind of a larger type of, 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 of logistics vessel to take it. And then the Astrohouses and the rest are all 500. So you can you could fit those in a battleship if you wanted to. So essentially, that is the update. Now, why are they doing this? The reasons that are given, at least the reasons that are purported, that are talked about in here, is that in EVE, they said death is a serious matter. Many of the current efforts in the ecosystem are focused on the consequences of player actions. They're talking about deploying structures haphazardly, what we would call structure spam in NullSec, and they're talking about uh, they're reducing the amount, of, the amount of structure spam, and then there's an incentive and a reward for attacking structures will increase, and the chances of both sides showing up to fight is increased. So, it's, so to me, it sounds like the reason why CCP is doing this is twofold. First, they want more stuff to blow up, and they think this is a way to incentivize it because you're providing a 100% drop. That was another thing. These are loot items that drop 100% of the time when the structure dies, period. So it's going to drop. It's always going to drop. You're going to be able to get it once you kill the structure, and that's, that, that provides an incentive to go blow these things up, or otherwise you would just have a kill mail. And then they want to combat structure spam. Now, I don't know what they mean by structure spam. We could talk about that because I think they're – Structure spam means different things in different areas of space. And for us in NullSec, we use that as, a, as an offensive tool sometimes. And I don't think that's what they're getting at because I don't see how this is going to have an impact on it. But we can talk about that. But Mittens, what do you, what do you think about what, what you've seen so far? What's your initial take on these cores? And what do you think the impact is going to be on groups like ours? I mean, I, I think it's sort of a nuanced situation, right? Like the, the thing is, is that CCP has to have a balancing mechanic that is adjustable over time, right? Like basically as structures become ever more of a focus of EVE Online gameplay. And like if they ever finally get rid of the awfulness that is Fazisov and like incorporate the aspects of like iHub upgrades into Citadels and like some of the things that they were talking about years ago, the direction that they were going into, uh, the company needs a method from a game design perspective to tweak dials essentially on do these citadels cost more or do they cost less and so essentially having like a high density bowling ball of lead that you have to slot into one of these things like an anchor um, they can then just adjust the cost of these from the npc vendors essentially to to raise or lower the bar of uh, the barrier to entry in a granular way right like so maybe they decide that uh, they've gone too far with it when it comes to like Athenors or something and they can tweak like the Athenor core or whatever to, to reduce in cost. So I, I think that giving CCP more dials and levers to pull and tweak to do like granular buffs and nerfs is a good thing. Um, I think that uh, I, I, I think that this has been a long time coming, right? Like one of the differences between Citadel spam and POS spam, and when we, we say this, we're saying they're the, the two words and they've got similar functions, right? Back in the day when you would POS spam someone offensively, a tremendous amount of work would go into that, right? And so for example, if you want to tower spam someone, and we still see a little bit of this action in the war that we have today, but you when you're dropping towers, you have to make sure that they have fuel. It's a little bit easier now because they have fuel blocks, but there's these series of timers you have to go through. There's stuff you have to ship in and get get installed uh and, but then 
there are at most two timers associated with a POS. What happens currently with citadels that is obviously problematic, otherwise we wouldn't be seeing these nerfs, uh, is that you can drop one relatively easily uh, with, I mean, we do this all the time, like we're pos spamming the hell out of legacy uh, on a daily basis uh, using citadels and citadels compared to posses create three timers instead of two. And uh, there's less of a upfront initial investment in terms of like, you know, a, a tower won't even turn on unless you shove enough fuel into it to like get the, get the shields up, right? You can anchor it, but then you've got to make sure that it's stocked enough to fuel it to, uh, uh, to get the bubble up as it were. Um, I didn't realize I was going to be like diving into like POS mechanics on live TV. So I'm a little bit rusty <laughs> on that, but basically POSs, two timers, citadels, three timers. That's the big takeaway. And the challenge is that um, I think that the quantum cores are, you can still do offensive citadel spam using quantum cores. There's just this additional step in the process where you need to have essentially brought your, your POS fuel. In this case, it's going to be not only the fuel for the citadel, but uh, the quantum core, even if they're a throwaway one. Um, it makes it much more costly, obviously, if you're if you're going to be like, I don't think we're going to be seeing 70 citadels dropped uh, anymore. And I think that's that's a good thing, right? Like CCB clearly does not want us to be spamming 70 Athenors at each other uh, because it is weaponizing boredom, right? And, and one of the things that I am interested in in this is that like whether CCP did an analysis based upon playstyles of like, has this been a problem in low sec? Has this been a problem in high sec? Because um, you know, maybe Citadel proliferation is out of hand there. And I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't know. These are just questions. I don't know whether there is a Citadel problem in high sec and low sec. Uh, but definitely in null sec, we spam the hell out of these things at each other. In terms of the impact, this is really kind of where I am, you know, so obviously the Imperium, we've got tons of Citadels, right? Tons of Citadels. Uh, and by January, we need to, excuse me, by mid-January, we need to figure out some sort of a way uh, to amass an obscene amount of liquid isk. Uh, but compared to some of the things that CCP has done to us specifically in the Imperium, like we know that from analyzing the data uh, that CCP, when they did the drifter invasion, that that disproportionately impacted the Imperium compared to everybody else. So we have had CCP come shit on us from a great height pretty much throughout our entire history playing this game. And as a result, we're sort of better adapted to it. Like we were like, okay, January, we need to bake this into like a Gantt chart and like figure out what areas we're gonna put a quantum core in first. And one of the things that, that is an advantage that we have is, is that we do have a very deep logistics bench, right? Like we have a ton of citadels, but we have a ton of citadels because we manage those citadels and we have like a centralized, like federal almost method of planning and rolling these things out. Uh, what I'm curious about uh, and where I've, we've seen a lot of complaints from already is, uh, you know, medium-sized alliances, smaller alliances, like, I don't know what, you know, a lot of alliances don't even really have finance teams anymore. A lot of alliances don't even have logistics teams, right? It's like a lot of what I would call, if you wanted to get sociological, which I always want to get, and compare the alliances that are like, have made the jump to being like space empires, right? Like the alliances that are much more behaving like an empire rather than an internet spaceship video game guild are by nature going to be more well adapted to this. Like, um, I don't know how fraternity handles their logistics, but I imagine that they have like a system or something like that set up. But for those groups that are like, um, you know, how is brave newbies? And I guess I shouldn't use them as a sympathetic example because they fucked with us. And so they're like on the bad guys list now, but just uh, as an example, how is brave newbies or Evictus or any of these like rando little alliances that make up legacy going to scrounge the isk necessary to be able to do this kind of thing if they probably don't even have much of a tax base uh i don't even know if they're getting a share of the the ttc profits like for all i know Vili doesn't actually give i mean if, if evictus is getting ttc profits i would love to hear it i actually haven't checked that <clears throat> excuse me um so yeah i mean i think it's a nuanced thing i think it's good for the game i'm you know i'm not concerned because mostly it impacts our enemies i have no sympathy for them so like you know it's one of those things where like if from the gameplay perspective, like CCP is doing this and like we all have to eat a huge upfront liquid cost that's basically put on a calendar by January or by October if you wanna be doing Citadel spam offensively. Um, I'm confident that we can handle it. I think a lot of our enemies and a lot of other completely random people are going to be uh, up shit creek, basically. And, and then the question is, 
is that what CCP wants, right? Because then this becomes kind of like one of those things where maybe part of the design is actually to screw the players over. And I, I don't mean that in a, like they're screwing us over in a bad way, uh, but more in like an intentional way rather than an accidental way. Uh, they nerfed low end, like they, they, the, the whole supply crunch thing. This might also be a way for them to try to take some liquid isk out of the system by essentially taxing these Alliance wallets and saying, okay, you guys now need to pay an upfront cost. You can't, you can't build it yourself or anything like that uh, to shave a few percentages off of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully they'll tell us more. Uh, that, that, that's my overall analysis on it is, um, hmm. <laughs> well, I, and then that's the thing. I think I have been wrestling because I can see both sides of this and I can understand, I, I see it from your perspective, you know, and, and I think the, the larger, I think what I've tried to explain to people when the inevitable complaining about this screws the little guy over because that every major every change that happens in Eve screws a little guy because the little guys have the least ability to adapt because they have the least resources and the fewer members. So there is always the claim that this is going to screw the little guy. But I thought at least in this situation, this is one of those things that impacts the big groups as much as, if not more, than the smaller groups. Sure, it's going to be an inconvenience to the smaller groups. They're going to have to fork over more ISK. They may have a bigger target on their back uh, than they otherwise would have from the groups that are going to go out and they're going to farm these structures because they want to get the, it's a it's a guaranteed payday at the same time talking to those groups they're not that excited about this either because they hate structure bashes as much as anybody else does so the fact that this is tied to structure mechanics doesn't make them exactly happy it's not like that they yes it's isk but it's isk in the worst most boring way possible and that's i mean that that's just i mean it's worse than mining honestly so I think a lot of these guys are, are, are looking at this and they thought in the beginning, hey, this sounds kind of cool. You know, we have a guaranteed payday. And now they're thinking, eh, yeah, but we got to go bash some structures to get it. Is it worth the, the time and the effort? And we'll see whether or not that plays out. But it does impact the big groups for exactly the reasons Batani said. First of all, all of the big groups that have large amounts of, of structures, I mean, like Keepstar size, we have 60 plus Keepstars. That's, that's, 30 billion isk each, we're talking at least 3 trillion just in keep stars that we have to deal with in order to get in, just to take care of that. All of the other major alliances have the same, that have the same level of infrastructure, have the same nut that they have to pay. And right now, we're fighting each other. So and we dropped three more keep stars this week. Like we dropped two there, and one to Q1. One, there you go. That was another thing we we're going to have a fireside, but we had fleets out. So we're doing the fireside after the meta show, but we dropped three new keep stars this week. So. Like obviously we are we are bullish on keep stars we are bullish on structures uh, despite the fact that uh, that this thing is happening uh, right. but you know an, another thing to keep in mind is that you know, like you can do a phased rollout like the structures that are dropped before this happen like if you don't install a quantum core in them like you don't get tether you don't get repair uh, you know some of the normal things are are not there uh, but it's not like the citadel loses all functionality so for example does random Athenor number seven hundred and twenty three in some backwater system in Delve need to have these things on you know, immediately, or can it wait until January 12th, or can it wait for a couple of weeks after January 12th? And that purely depends right. upon the, the the combat reality, right? Because like, here's the thing, like, uh, if the other services and the other things on the Citadels still work, you know, you, you can still like use an Athenor, you can still frack on an Athenor that doesn't have a core installed, but you can't tether, you can't repair, you can't do whatever else. Um, it's not the end of the world. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I think that one of the things that this benefits from like a, a macro scale perspective is uh, geography makes a big difference here, right? Now, again, right. Goon Swarm might be scoured from the map because the puppies are doing such a great job and they're the good guys and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> insert puppy excuses here. Uh, I don't think that's a problem. I don't anticipate us losing the war being anywhere by January 21st. We'll be still in Delve uh, January 12th, I should say. Um, but uh, I just, I totally lost my train of thought because I got started thinking about like war timelines and things like that. Oh, uh, small, sorry, my bad. Wide versus tall. If you have a tall empire footprint, which is what we have in the Imperium, right? We're mainly based in Delve. We had floodplain regions that are not as developed as Delve, but Delve is like the core of the whole thing. 
in terms of the man hours that's required to physically fly around, you know, to source these things and then install them in various places. It's a lot easier to import like 20 cores to one system and go through and just slam them into Athenor, 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 Athenor for like the little things. Um, by contrast, if you have a, a, a wide empire, right, like if you have a less dense resource extraction uh, economy, and you have it spread out over a zillion regions, which is what our enemies have. Uh, and also if you don't have as well-developed of a logistics team, it suddenly becomes much more of a huge pain in the ass because those guys then have to, on average, travel more with less people in order to get these things installed. Um, I think in some cases for the more archaic alliances, you will see them just have this uh, devolve to corpse. Like they'll just say, like if NC Dot tells everybody each corp is on their own and you know Vince yells at them and punches downward like Vince always does and said, you suck and you're out of the alliance if you don't and your corporation doesn't fix this stuff because NC Dot is so great. Everybody wants to be an NC Dot. Like that's Vince for you. Be so that, that, that might be how they they solve things is just yell at their members and you know insist that the corpse handle it. Uh, but I, you know, it's going to be, these things are always fascinating to me because it's kind of, I'm going to make a COVID analogy uh, where uh, it is, and I don't mean that in like a, a sarcastic way, but like the pandemic situation is interesting from a political science perspective because it is an, an almost identical pressure that is uh, expressed in slightly different ways across the entire world simultaneously, right? Like obviously that's not exactly a lineup there, but when you have the quantum core thing, every single alliance is going to have to find a solution to the exact same problem at the exact same time. And this is just like zooming way out, even even from like a, a non-player perspective, but just a, a sociology, political science, what the fuck perspective, that shit is fascinating to me. That is absolutely fascinating. Like, cause it, it is one of the few chances that you get to really like compare like how people are doing things and see, does this system work better? Does that system work better? I have no idea what's going to happen, but I am very curious to see how it goes. I didn't know I would have so many things to say about this, uh, about this topic, <laughs> but apparent, apparently I'm very interested in the quantum cores because apparently. I keep my mouth about it. Um, That's good. Yeah. No, I think, you know, so, so obviously the, the criticisms that I've seen and I'll, I'll, you know, recapsulate them because I think it's important to, to think about it. Obviously, the first, the biggest one is the, you know, what about the children argument that we get every single time any major thing has changed? And there's there's always this belief that there is this, you know, we, we, we jokingly call it the mythical, the mythical high-sex small corporation guy who just wants to go out and, and do his thing and has his own structure, and now he's got to pay twice as much, and he's, he's getting double taxed and paying twice as much as he had to originally do the same stuff he did before. And, I mean, that's, honestly, look, I'm a Republican. That's a double taxation. I don't like double taxation. That's a fair. That's a fair argument that will that will make inroads with me. You're paying twice to 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 get the same thing that you had before, so that that I can understand the annoyance. Uh, I think the industrial side. I think has. I think the industrialists, at least the high sec industrialists, probably have a legitimate gripe here, because for the most part they they have their own structures so that they can compress ore. They can do industry. They have more industry slots. They're not competing for the industry slots in the public stations that tend to ramp up the closer you get to GETA. You know, I, I can I can see that their desire is to be left alone to be able to do what they're currently doing, and they need these structures to do what they do. And they're not going to be able to do that if they have to either pay twice and then see their profit margins cut or at the same time, you know, they got to deal with the impact of having all of these war deck and, and ganking groups out there looking around trying to find, you know, small corps with structures that they can war deck and go kill their stuff and get there and get the core and make some money. I mean, in the end, I mean, think about it this way. You know, one, one of these cores is, I guess, 600 million for, uh, for an Astra whose core, that's, that's six war decks cost right there just from one structure. You win that one war, you kill that one structure, and you've and you've paid for five or six war decks. So that I mean, there is an incentive, and it's an incentive, and the amount that's put in there is, is pretty significant. In terms of so, in terms of incentivizing, providing a way to go after these guys, I think that it probably will do that for the smaller things. On the higher end, I don't see the need. I don't know why there's no need to incentivize killing keep stars and satoyos by adding an is cost. Because first of all, one. You know that somebody's gonna. This is gonna turn into a cable Uta stealing stealing the core every time their Keepstar dies, like it happens with the Blood Raider Satoyo stuff. Now somebody's gonna figure out the way to do that, 
And the people that actually do all the work to kill the keep are not going to be the ones that get the core. And I guarantee you that's going to happen because it's already happened uh, with all these other types of situations where there's a, a, an expensive loot drop that you can steal that's going to be out there. So I don't think that's going to, there's going to be a situation where this is going to incentivize anybody to kill these things. Plus, keep stars and Satoyos, they're big kill mails and they're strategic assets that you want to kill because they impact somebody else's ability to do the stuff that they're doing. Like... If you know, we kill keep stars because we want to take away that base of operations for a super fleet. You know, that's that's why you do it. You kill a Satoyo so that you can't build a super fleet. So these things already have an innate strategic value that you want to go after. I don't think they needed to be incentivized. And I don't think that there's anywhere in the game except maybe one DQ where you could argue that there is structure spam with these big structures. You know, I mean rage in the wormhole space that had three, maybe that was structure spam. Uh, but those are all dead now. We killed them. And we didn't kill them because, well, we killed them because there was a, a, a loot. There was one of the reasons with why is because we wanted to prove that we could do it, but also because there was the loot benefit of having uh, no asset safety in wormholes. So at least, at least on the wormhole side, I don't see this having any creating any incentives for them to do what they already do because structures don't last very long in here because you can get the loot out of them. And NullSec and, and HiSec and elsewhere, maybe. And then Dunk Dinkle and I had a good conversation. One of the things he pointed out, when we talk about structure spam in NullSec, I think it's exactly what Mitten said when he's talking about POS spamming. We use this as an offensive tool. We drop a ton of structures. They're annoying. They shit up the overview. They require somebody to go and clean them up. And that's taking bodies off the field that could otherwise be in fleets, making them play, doing something boring, so that the next time that a ping comes through, maybe they're like, well, I just spent last night clearing out seven structures. I think I'm going to read a book now. Or I'm going to go get in the tub. Or I'm going to go take a shower. Or, I'm going to go outside. you know, Or I'm going to go do something else. They're not going to log in for a fleet. That's kind of the point of structure spam. In high sec, it's, they've, we've already gotten rid of all the abandoned structures that have just been dropped by people that aren't playing anymore. That, that, that ship has sailed months ago. So what's left? You know, yeah, maybe there's a system, you know, 10 jumps out from Jita that's convenient because of, of traffic routes or whatever, and there's a ton of structures in there. Is that spam? It's only spam if nobody's using them. But if they're all being used, what's the issue? I mean, part of the reason for the Citadel expansion was they wanted to see bustling city-like systems with tons of structures and tons of stuff um, that's out there. You know, they want that. So in the end, that was the, that was the goal of, of the Citadel uh, expansion. I think it's been achieved. But now they're claiming that, or at least people are saying that that's not what they want because there's too much stuff on the overview and it gets confused. I don't know. I, I, just, I just think some of these arguments, they, 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 don't, they seem internally conflicting and I can't tell what the actual goal is. Um, I, I want to know where, like, you know, one of the things that I, I would be interested to hear from CCB, and hopefully they'll do, like, some follow-up blogs, because, like, I'm broadly in favor of making Citadels more expensive. And, you know, again, for people that were talking about, like, the Imperium needs to worry about this, keep in mind, guys, that if you want to put down new structures, you need to be ready for, like, October 6th. But if you want to make sure that this is ready for old structures that are already down, the deadline is more uh, January 12th. So as far as the people attacking us, versus us defending uh it does have a different like the defenders have more time to to worry about this so that's one of the reasons why i'm just like whatever we'll figure it out by january we're good at figuring right. things out over a long period of time uh but one of the things i'm curious about is like it really kind of seems like this was aimed at nerfing nullsec structure spam and that they forgot about wormholes and that they probably weren't really paying attention to what the impact it would have on high sec and low sec and I'm fine with that, right? I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Malcanus's law, let's, you know, let's cry about the, the small holders who suddenly can't afford an Astrohus. But it does make you wonder, like, is there some guy in HiSec and some random corp? Because, like, people out there are poor, right? Like, they are poor at a level that even nullsec people in like pandemic horde are vastly richer than randos and high sec and lots of randos and high sec have these astrohuses and stuff like that and they're going to be like you know for them get 600 million isk or get a billion or two more isk for your structures or whatever is way bigger of an ask than just you know out of nullsec it's like okay well we got to pay another tax all right let's you know figure it out um so whatever like we'll just have to see how it goes uh exactly. I, I think that um 
I, uh, I, I'm generally in favor of anything that immediately our enemies start crying about because <laughs> that's how this game works. And, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about some more. We're done talking uh, about the boring stuff, guys. You can, uh, you can, you can come back, you can turn off Pornhub, come back and watch. We're going to talk about some fun stuff. So let's hit it. War time! We are on the 10th week of World War B. Uh, we had some, some pretty significant stuff happen this week uh, that we can talk about. Uh, we've we got some keep stars down in Fountain. We got one structure down in Quirius that had no business being there in the first place, which was very cute. We had a, a nice big dread brawl. Uh, finally, a super escalation. Uh, didn't go our way, but that's all right. We took the shot. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. so let's, uh, let's, let's talk, talk about, about that. Um, so big news. Um, Excuse me, guys. I uh, had a BLT just before the show, and it was delicious, both going down and coming up. Uh, so let's talk about this. Uh, we have some news. It's sort of like a thing. I was, If it wasn't for the fact that we just got bored of these guys not doing enough and like we went for them in G-Magic the other day, uh, let's put it like this. Our enemies put down like 13 keep stars to avoid jumping capitals and supers through a regional gate in 49 because they are cowards and weaklings. And after all of their herf blurf about how great they are and how they have so many titans and it's so amazing, it turns out that they don't. Meanwhile, on the Imperium side, we saw some titans in G Magic and we were like, fuck it, it's a Thursday night, late US time. Nobody is awake, but we're bored and we're going to go for these guys. And uh, we big dick bollered it. We put like a vehement on the table in this dread bomb, like 30 billion, like it was better use it rather than lose it, right? It's a, we don't dock our faction Titans. We don't dock our factions dreads. And we went after some legacy Titans and we whiffed, right? Like we, we took the shot, we missed, we lost some stuff. Uh, but that was like the first time I've had like a proper big ass scrap. And one of the things that was nice about it is like, you know, our guys are, are really like fired up. Like they're getting to the point where we are so aggressive that we are making the regional gate jumps up into their guts, the same kind of regional gate jump that these guys are too coward to make themselves. Uh, so I think that's going well. I mean, it sucks when you lose a cap fight, but I'm happy that we took the shot because if, ha if it had worked, we would have eaten a bunch of legacy Titans. So uh, I want everybody to know to look forward to more of that. Uh, if our enemies fail to invade us and now they're moving away from Fountain, they had move ops today. That's the other big news item uh, is that uh, they actually whiffed a final timer on a uh, faction Fortizar in Fountain because we formed up and they're like, never mind, we're not gonna, we're not gonna blow this faction fort up. We're we're gonna we're gonna move out of fountain because fountain's done, even though there's a bunch of shit there that still isn't blown up. And I'm not sure what they're doing. Uh, I believe that they are going to finally make the attack from you know into maybe North Quarius, or maybe they will come all the way in, please come all the way into NPC Delve and drop a keep star and put your supers and your titans, your cute little super and titan fleet, put it into a place that we can get at and we will have a party on our keep stars. Please put your titans on the grid of our keep stars such that we can go back to skull fucking you. So, uh, that's the hope, but we don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they're going to maybe they're going to go into North Quarius and they're going to pussyfoot around and they're going to hit some like random ass faction for Tazars and then talk about how they're winning. Now, well, that would be that would be the play that we would expect, right? I, I mean, so I far the one thing, and, and, it's and just I'm so not dumb. Fountain Frank will be here later, and he can tell you guys more in detail about this. But brisk, brisk as the trying to at least being a a semi uh, semi straight man observer, uh, we have seen the one thing that can characterize the way that the Blue Donut Coalition has been fighting this war. And that is a word that will trigger Matani and make him very upset and he'll break out into hives. And that word is conservative. They have been very conservative. They haven't done anything. And, and it's the exact opposite of, of how we tend to, to do things. We have no problems throwing things around and trying stuff and seeing if it works, it doesn't work. We're not, we are not conservatives, little c, in, in the Imperium. But Legacy in particular is very conservative. And I think a lot of these guys, and uh, I wouldn't, I, I, Horde has a tendency, they'll, they'll, they'll pull the trigger on stuff sometimes. But I feel like that, that because of the way that the leadership is running this war, they're being very conservative. They're not taking any risks. They're not putting themselves in a position where they either 
can't be assured of victory. And this goes back to the whole hell dunks versus blue balls thing that we've moved away from, as Asher talked about last week, but our opponents have embraced wholeheartedly, and this is their strategy. Well, and they, they will characterize enough, it as, don't take don't fights you can't Titans. win. Yeah. But still, you know, at some point, you got to take fights because there's, there's, there are going to be those marginal fights that you take where it doesn't look like you're supposed to win, but because of good FCing or a little bit of luck or whatever, you can pull it off. And those are the victories that are really the morale-building victories that turn things around. You know, and if you don't ever take those, at some point, you know, what's the point? There's no challenge. If you're playing the game on easy mode, why do that? I, uh, you, you know, it's tough because um, they don't really have many good options, right? And one of the reasons why their their strategy being conservative makes sense now because I have a better understanding of, like, how this whole shit show got started. I think we talked about that a little bit last week on the show, but I was in uh, blue-suited nice guy mode. Uh, I'm not sure whether <laughs> I talked about it when I was in black suit mode, but basically we know now that the reason why it looks like there's a disconnect between the various warring parties is because there is a disconnect between the various warring parties. Like Vili will get up on crying in stations and talk about how he wants to drag this thing out to February and how he wants this to last as long as it can because, and I, I wish I was clever enough to come up with, with zingers like this, but Asher came up with this one and it's not even a zinger. It's just an accurate de- description of what legacy's deployment is. Uh, legacy when they go to war uh, before this one, uh, typically relies on these jump clone deployments where like they say that they're at war and they install jump clones wherever and they, they show up for a few ops and then somebody else does all the work. But mostly they are living at home uh, and it's a jump clone deployment. Like sometimes they come and invade us, but we keep in jumping regional gates to invade them because they suck. Meanwhile, the, the pressures that are on Panfam are very different. Panfam is hard deployed away from their core. Right. And they have a bunch more confident and aggressive players. Right. Whether whether Vince is making the right calls or the PL guys are making the right calls about how they are doing the war, they have far more experience with aggressive offensive deployments. They are far more competent enemies. Right. And we know that because we have spent most of our time fighting Panfam and then we dumped them to beat up on test. And, you know, test is next after all this. Like that's that's the thing is we, we have seen the comparison in terms of the quality of, of enemy we're fighting there. Um, so legacy is under, is under no real pressure to speed this up. Meanwhile, Panfam wants to get it done, right? They, they need to basically bring this to a conclusion to test, to see whether the war is possible. Right. And so they come into our space now soon, hopefully if they finally get off their asses and then either they're going to be able to blow up our keep stars and delve and we lose all our shit. Or they're not going to be able to blow up our keep stars and delve, and then they have the peace with honor option. And for them, the peace with honor option is we got you back for glassing tribute. We glass fountain, even though they didn't really. But you know, whatever. Like you know, gotcha. Uh, throw legacy under the bus and fuck off, right? But they, it's pretty much put up or shut up time. Like either they are going to be able to bring what titans they have into our space and blow up our keep stars. Or they half-ass it and have to fuck off and come up with some sort of excuse. Uh, I'm obviously confident of victory because I want them to hurry up and do it, but, you know, whatever. So it's uh, it's hard to predict what they're going to do when you have a situation where PanFam has one set of goals and one set of pressures because of the nature of their deployment. And, my God, I'm doing a lot of real... I'm Sorry, guys, I, I'm wearing the red shirt, but I'm really doing a lot of, like, sociology... It's like, strategy, like, like analysis real talk. type stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm doing, doing, like, I'm doing, like, I'm not really... I'm not really doing my, my Vince McMahon thing here, but, like, a lot of what seems weird about this campaign makes a lot more sense when you realize that Legacy is functionally doing a jump clone deployment, but mostly is living at their home while PanFam is under pressure because they have uh, done a proper deployment. Um, so, you know, hopefully we'll see something soon. But uh, meh, whatever, yeah, we'll bring see. it, bitches. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, I think. Uh, I mean, that's that's basically the news. Would you guys? I guess it's time. Uh, we can I do Cool Kids find... Club. We we haven't done Cool Kids Club in like forever. We can and, do Cool like, Kids Club. We can do Cool Kids Club months. while Frank gets. Uh, I, I I pull him out of the closet over here. So let me go. Oh, get... absolutely. Or if Frank is going to give us a visit, we'll do let's, that. Let's uh, let's get our visit from Fountain Frank this week, and we'll go into Cool Kids mode. So here we All go. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Welcome. I am Fountain Frank. Thank you again. Let me fix my little jacket here because it's all jacked up. Uh, um, I have to say, I'm very much appreciating the fact that I get to hang out on the Meta Show every week now. This is kind of cool. So thank you, Matani, for inviting me back. I appreciate. Thank it. you so much. You are you are a voice. I believe you are a voice that we need to elevate and center. A voice that needs to be heard. Only the truth on the Meta Show. I, I know that some of our yeah. critics on the Meta Show have said that we spin too much, and I, I really want to point out we never spin on the Meta Show. This is a completely. We are a more serious TV show than crying in stations you we will find more hard news here we will never lie we will never spin we take this a hundred percent seriously all real talk all the time found frank this this so and that, this is why i'm here we're never going to give you up we're never going to let you down that's what happens on the meta show especially during the fountain frank war update segment now two major things happened today well this week that i wanted to talk about the first was this quantum core nonsense. Now, I will tell you the biggest winner of this quantum core thing has to be Pandemic Horde. And why? Why is Horde the big winner? I will tell you why Horde's the big winner. They're the big winner because, because their AWOXers killed four Horde Keep Stars in Fountain and a snuff keep star and a culture keep star. Those guys, they're happy. They're all dead. They don't, they don't matter. But these four horde keep stars don't need a quantum core in January because the AWOXers killed them. They just saved horde 120 billion isk. Do you know how much that is? That's like half a horde cormorant fleet. That's crazy. <laughs> They can afford all kinds of stuff now that they couldn't afford before because they don't have to pay all this extra cash. So you know what? I have to say, I was wondering, honestly, why these Horde AWOXers were doing this. But apparently, I don't know if they had inside information. I doubt it. But I'll tell you, they are like the super luckiest people on the face of the earth because now, without having to deal with all of those crazy keep stars and fountain that they've had for so long, They'll be able to fund SRP and cover like half of a corner. It's going to be great. So congratulations to Pandemic Horde. You guys are the big winners of the Quantum Core release. And I'm, I'm sure that you're going to be happy about that. So that's, that's, the fir- that's the first big news. The second big news is... There's more. You discussed the whelping of a fleet, of a Dreadnought fleet in G-Magic. Now... Our enemies look at this and say, well, it looks like the Imperium whiffed. They weren't able to kill any Titans. They lost all their... They jumped the regional gates. First of all, as always, keep in mind, Test can't jump regional gates, but we can. And that's what we did. Because if we're going to have a fight, we got to go do that. But think about it this way. Asher was the FC of that fleet. Asher is smart. We know Asher is smart. He is a very intelligent, very charismatic person. So why would he, of all people, take a fleet in there with the chances that it's going to get blown up? You know why? I'll tell you why. Because here today, we're going to tell you the real reason why that fight happened. It was the single largest example of Imperium insurance fraud in history. All of those dreads had platinum insurance, and it was running out. So what are you going to do with them? You can't lose that insurance. It's like 1.2 billion isk. That's that's free money. So you know what? Why not take a shot? We'll we'll fly them through the gate. We'll go over there. Oh my goodness, we lost 300 billion in dreads. It really didn't cost us a penny. There you go. So not only did Asher get his guys to go over and kill a couple caps and have some fun and something to do on a Thursday night, they all got paid doing it. So there you go. That fleet, insurance fraud. And I'll tell you right now, all those dread pilots between the insurance and the SRP they're going to be getting, those guys just made bank. Thank you, Legacy, for helping us to clear out some of our massive caches of dreads and put some money in the pocket of our guys who can't go and do what they're normally doing. So there you go. Oh, my God. That's it. We got it. Thank you, Fonda Frank. I appreciate that. That's it. 
I, uh, as usual, your presence, Fran Frank, I, I don't know, you're always very highly in demand. I don't know if you, you need to go uh, monitor the edge of our territory for to help defend us or whether you're going to stay with us for a little bit. Uh, I, I have to go back. Okay. I'm going to go find Brisk. I think he was making a sandwich and I'll have him yes. go back and then uh, I will all see right. you all next week. But I want to thank you again for allowing me uh, the pleasure of your company and I will see you next time on the Meta Show. Thank you so much, Fountain Frank. You are a blessing wherever you go. Okay, now I, I sorry guys, I gotta try to collect myself to use my words after that because I am dying uh, after that. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it is, I, I'm just happy to have a fucking dread fight. Like one of the other things that, that I guess I probably shouldn't talk about is like this whole like dreads, dreads, dreads. Oh my God, dread cash is here, dread cash is there. Uh, one of the reasons why wars are kind of on the side of the defender, like if you're attacking, time is on the side of the defender is that like, you know, uh, you can build stuff and we're, we're building things, we're being more aggressive, we're having fun because like these guys are not attacking us enough. So actually I shouldn't talk about that on live TV, but I want to. Uh, it, it is funny to me that uh, Villy has been running around talking to anybody who'll listen about it, about how we are broke, right? Like there is, I don't understand how you can watch what the Imperium is doing and go, these guys like the MER was so imbalanced for years and Goonswarm is out of money and like, you know, at any moment because of something that fucking Villy says, like we are, I, I don't, you know, the thing is, is that I don't even know whether I should be trolling about this or not because, it, you know, it's her advantage for these guys to think that we're broke. Um, but it's just, it, it's so strange to go from goons are evil botters, goons are evil people, they have too much money, they have too much money, they have too much power, we all need to band together to get rid of them. And then the amount of fleet fights that have been happening, there have been lots of fleet fights, but we are coming out successful in these fleet fights, we lose some, but if we were losing the fleet fights, we would have lost all of our shit, so we're doing pretty good. Uh, can't really complain there. The SRP bills have been much lower than you would expect compared to the Jeff deployment where we were just throwing money away because that was a training exercise. And then these nerds showed their cards and said, oh, well, we've actually been secretly planning to backstab you for a really long time. And oh, well, you know, uh, whatever, like the dumbass pro God legend shit. Um, but I, I just, it, it blows my mind because he's now had repeated arguments in the crying in stations discord because this gets reported back to me where Villy is just insistent that we are broke. And I don't understand that. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like, have we, have we cut our reimbursement program? Have we suddenly been unable to reimburse our ships? We dropped three keep stars this week, nerd. Like the fuck. And I mean, to be fair, they could be it. like, well, we got 150,000 puppies together and we dropped 13 keep stars because we are too cowardly to actually jump into a regional gate. Even though us, when we're the ones getting invaded, jump regional gates into your shit all the time. Cause we're not cowards, but these guys are calling us broke. I, I, I don't even know. Like, it would be like, it would be like saying that like Goonswarm goes to church too much. Like Goonswarm is too much of a Christian gaming guild. They don't let you swear in Goonswarm. It's a bunch of youth pastors over there. They're right? too nice. I can't they're, deal with they're, all they're the too nice. nice right? Like you know, saying that or saying that like we're 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 broke. These are both like on the same level of just like. And I don't know whether he's like trying to bait me into like showing off our wallet, which I, I won't do, but like, you know, when Alliance is running out of money because they stop paying their pilots reimbursement bills, they start talking about how they need to like take some time to recover. It takes longer for the pilots to get their ship reimbursements. Like I, I got nothing. And, and that's the thing. Like, this is one of the things I feel like he said this before. I think he's just kidding. I, you know, look, not everybody can do what Fountain Frank does. And they That's try, true. but they're not good at it. And, and he is no Fountain Frank. Th there's, there's just, there's no, there's no, <laughs> there's no validity at all to the idea that suddenly the Imperium is out of money. I mean, think about it this way. We have only had like four solid years of MERs with Delve being in the top for almost everything. And then only in the last six months has that been different. I mean, that would be like saying Fraternity doesn't have any money. I mean, look at the MERs. They're making trillions of ISK a month uh, in ratting, and the, and the Corpse and, and, and the Alliance is getting a chunk of all of that. So the whole idea that, 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 that we're broke somehow, that doesn't make any sense. 
And I mean, I'll tell you right now, at least from my perspective, getting rid of the war, I am sitting on more liquidus than I've ever had since I started playing EVE in 2006. And I think a lot of us got ready and I haven't had to use any of it. I mean, I've I mean, just been giving it away. I gave, I gave away three billion S last sakes. night to a guy for a dread because he needed one. Yeah, you I know? mean, like that—that that, that is that's another thing about this is that like one of the reasons why, regardless of whatever dumb bullshit Billy says, uh, when you are attacking in an invasion sense against a roughly equal in forces, like let's just assume that we had roughly the same forces or even slightly less forces than the bad guy. We, they outnumber us three to one, actually, and have blew up 103 alliances of cowards to come at us. But let's just assume roughly equal forces, uh, defender versus attacker. Uh, you, as the attacker, need to get rid of the defender because otherwise if they have force multiplier effects and your forces are degrading over time because they are, right? Like that's how EVE works. If you're the attacker and your, your war is not going anywhere, people will gradually wander off and go home, which is why Progod Legends vaunted a thousand Titans move up uh, ended up being such a damp squib. <laughs> so they need to be rolling us over because we're at home, right? So like right. if they're, if like, I have, I have been playing EVE Online a lot for like the last three months or so. And during this war, which I should not be able to do this. Like I, I physically should not be able, allowed to do this by the enemies if they're putting appropriate hostile pressure on us. But I now have, like 25 out of a, I think it's going to be a 33 planet PI factory setup, right? Like, you and have more patience I'm, than me, I, my I've friend. Got, I've got my first ba baby's <laughs> first jump freighter, baby's first jump freighter, baby first, baby's first Sino alts through Delve. I have like I'm in the game and I'm learning how to set up my own little Citadel production factory because you know I want to help the cause and I'm like whatever these executor alts they ought to they ought to do something. So I am. I have had no trouble whatsoever moving jump freighters around, setting up a massive PVE setup, right? And, you know, most of the work is front-loaded. So I set this up weeks ago. It's not like it's taking too much of my time. But the point is, is that if we're under invasion, all of our shit's supposed to be in, on fire and I should not be able to do some sort of PVE thing. Like if I wanted to do this to make ISK, which I'm not, I'm using it to build citadels to fuck the bad guys with. But hypothetically, you know, we're at home and they have not stopped us from doing PVE shit, right? And that's the thing is, is like, if we are able to still make money and fund our pilots and handle all of this other stuff, the advantage that the attackers have over time continues to degrade. So. Right. You know, whatever. I'll just. Well, I, I mean, here's an anecdote I, I'll tell you guys right now. I was talking to one of my friends uh, in Karma Fleet this morning, and he said, "Oh, but I just sold an Airbus today." I'm like, "Well, what do you? Don't you need it?" He's like, yeah, "I got five more." Yeah. And I said, "How much did you sell for?" "Uh, 44 bill." Uh, "Was it fit?" "Oh uh, yeah, it was Tech Two fit." Well, "Why'd you sell it? Did you need the yes?" "No, nah, I just I wanted to make sure that somebody that wanted it and was going to use it had, had access to one." I mean, that's the stuff that's happening in in the Imperium every day, you know. We are. We have been focused on getting Titans to so many people for so long. We've been focusing on supers for so long. We're sitting on vast stores of wealth, and we have been. It's one of the reasons why CCP keeps nerfing wealth generation, because we taught the rest of the world how to do it, and they started catching up. So of course, then it's going to get nerfed. So in the end, so some of these, if you're going to make good propaganda, it has to have at least a grain of truth in it, unless it is so absurd that it's obviously satire. Uh, and you guys can tell the difference between what is what. But some of this stuff, it just, you got to shake your head and you're just like, I mean, I don't look. Uh, the only person who gets on more shows and talks about more stuff than me is Villy. And I give him credit for that because he's there even places that, that I'm not welcome anymore. <laughs> but I'll tell you, it's, uh, it, it's, just, it's just interesting to, to see and hear the types of stuff that they put out because it's, it's really divorced from the reality that we are seeing on a day-to-day -day basis, which is weird. Yeah, we haven't had a chance to really like take questions. You know, we did Cool Kids mode, and one of the fun things about Cool Kids sure. mode is we got a little uh, bit. I mean, we're a little over. We, 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 we can take over. some questions if people have them. If there's like stuff that you guys are, are interested in that you'd like, we're the flagship play. show. We can go over as much as we want. Yeah, we can do whatever the fuck we want. Um, let me see here. Um, do 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 do. I am actually hitting a scroll back here to see if there's. Uh, so if they left their armor fleet at home, can their armor fleet take on ours? And how long would it take to get that shit back home? Uh, so that is one of the things that has been interesting about the legacy commitment to this war is that they are keeping, uh, let's just say it's a complicated system 
of who is what where on the legacy side as to where they have which of their supers. And then that tends to go even crazier whenever we jump into them and start burning their shit down because then they repeatedly have to say, jump clone, jump clone, jump clone, everybody come back here uh, and sort of, uh, it's a hot mess. Uh, I think that if, you know, I, I basically what's gonna happen here is if PanFam and Legacy do not manage to push our shit in, in a very rapid way, like within the next month or so, right? Like if they, they bring their stuff to North Quarius finally, or maybe they put a keep star in Quarius, maybe they put a keep star in Delve and then they move in there. And then maybe on some Thursday, they might start trying to reinforce our keep stars with their Titans. Then we see whether this thing has legs or not. Um, and if they are not able to delete us out of Delve, uh, which obviously we're working to make sure that that doesn't happen, but you know, if they are unable uh, to break delve to burn down our keep stars and stuff uh then legacy is fucked right like we you know you, you start chewing on brave with the regular forces which we're currently doing like we're, we're messing with them we're going to continue to mess with them uh and then as the pressure from PanFam declines because presumably if we are not getting deleted we will have won some of these major keep star battles and the bad guys are going to have to fuck off or keep feeding us titans one or the other uh then we get to have our way with legacy right like it's uh you know it could be and i think that after they try to do delve if we are not all dead then legacy is toast because we just have more everything than they do uh, and they fucking suck and they bit off more than they can chew and there is absolutely like you know even in a scenario where we did get deleted off the map there is nothing stopping us from just following legacy around and flaying them so uh you know well played pro god legend and, and villi you fucking geniuses uh so yeah i'm not really worried about like their armor timer like their, their armor fleet that they're holding at home because essentially they have to blow up keep stars and delve or die right like either they blow our shit up and delve and are able to prove that they can do this thing or they fail to do that and we have our way with them until we're done having our way with them, which as uh, NC Dot and Bob found out, uh, can be like a 14 year process. So- But even know, then, I'm, I mean, the, the, the thing is, they even if they kill a couple keep stars and delve, their stated war goal from the beginning- Goons have to be goons out of the game, eradicated from the game because we are so evil and we're so toxic and good guy Vili and good guy Pro-God Legend are going to save Evil Online from the evil Goonies. Pro-God gave this whole long ass fucking speech about how we're going to have people. a game worth playing evil is what people. he said at the and, end of this war. And now they're trying to back off that shit because they tried to have their goons are evil people. All right, here we go. They tried to have their little goons are evil people party on reddit a couple weeks ago and it turned out that that blew up in their faces to the point that even people that have nothing to do with this war are going why the fuck don't you shut up and bring it to delve but they tried their whole cast's belly of goons are evil people goons are toxic we're all going to get together to get rid of goons because that worked out so well for Somali. i don't know why pro god went that way but uh now they can't do that they failed that i mean i'll, I'll tell you why he went that whatever way. It, is, it is it is the they easiest would be easy. lowest common denominator oh we're gonna not make the mistake that was made in the casino war we're gonna keep going till these guys are dead and it's the kind of thing that yeah you might get a little sugar rush and, and rah rah your guys and maybe they'll cheer but then after you sit back and you think about it and you realize how freaking impossible it is to destroy organized groups in a game like this it just made us more organized by doing that right. like if they had just attacked us and not done the whole goons should be removed from the game goons are evil people thing that wouldn't have been such a rallying cry for us that was that was handing us a club to beat them over the head with and i'm glad that they did because they were so fucking stupid uh to do that i mean really uh i mean i don't, I don't know they keep following pro god legend plans and if some some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. So whatever. <laughs> I <laughs> Lambert keeps asking where Dave Archer is. Uh, the last time I saw Redline, he was in his Trash Talk Tuesday server. So you can go check over there if you want to talk to him. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I think Dave Archer was around like yesterday. So, Ooh, all right. Um, I had a little rant there, but uh... that was good. you were getting worked up. I liked it. Well, you know, it, you got to so, justify it, the I, red I for, shirt, right? I, for, I forget these things. Like, I forget that because, you know, wartime is kind of a blur. So it's very easy to forget, like, around July 5th, 
pro god legend started this whole shit show by giving this dumbass speech talking about how we're evil people and then he dropped that narrative like the whole goons are evil and we need to get rid of them thing he dropped that because it obviously wasn't working out very well several weeks go by asher says goons are actually good people and the people in legacy who hate our guts the most flipped their shit like children right like absolute crying for mommy to bring them tindies like these good boys lost their shit talking about goons bad goons bad but goons you know, bad the, goons bad but the worst the thing and this is the thing that i we, we've mentioned this obliquely but i'll just come out flat out and say it is where the hell were all these people for the last three years when we were on the same side yeah, they were complaining so about bad. the wizard hat back You're then. They were yelling and saying us. how horrible we were. Yeah. Every time we saved their bacon in every fight that they called us into, they weren't telling us how horrible we were, but oh, now we're bad for the game. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's just it's such a, a thin, mad. obvious attempt to, to, to just provide the most, you know, wafer thin yeah. uh, uh, excuse for the war. You know, just come right out and say it. Hey, we wanted to fight you guys, so we're going to come pick on you. All right. You know, you don't. But you set this up and you try to propagandize. Yeah. Vili and Pro God Legend hate us so much that they asked us to help them attack Panfam while lying and planning to backstab us and blah, 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 blah. But whatever. The important thing here is that they're a bunch of hypocritical douchebags, one. And two, I hold them personally in absolute total <laughs> contempt. Like, I want you guys to hear the condescension that is dripping from my voice. That is how little I think of your stupid fucking war plan, how little I think of your strategic ability, how much I laugh when I think of pro-God legend campaigns. You fucking knuckleheads want to come at us after repeatedly failing? You want to go on your crying in stations, hang out with Matterall and go, oh, well, I think it'd be great for this go to go to February. Like, you're pathetic. But that's just a funny thing. It's like the one thing we kept hearing, oh, 1DQ by Christmas, because that's the joke. And now it's 1DQ by Valentine's. I guess it's going to be 1DQ by Memorial Day. And then 1DQ by July 4th. Yeah, and we're the ones that move the goalposts. All right. Yeah. 1DQ by Arbor Day. We have to have a crusade to get goons out of the game. And we're going to, goons are such evil people. And we're going to do this. And it's going to be sometime in February. You know, goons are awful and they need to be removed from the game. But, you know, but there's no rush. Except when we need them. There's no rush to get rid of goons from the game. They're awful. But we might as well wait until the core expansion goes through. Right, guys? Like, well, well, yeah, we got to go back. We got to go back and wait. We got a crab. We need, we need time. You know, it's gonna, it's gonna cost us a lot of money to get these cores in. Yeah. So we gotta, we gotta, we gotta go back and, and take a. We're gonna take a month break off the war, and then we're gonna come back. I mean, I guarantee you that's coming at some point. There's gonna yeah. be a break so that guys can go back and crab, and they're gonna blame CCP for it. It's, for, it's fine. It's a perfect excuse when you've got CCP making game changes. That is typically uh, an easy way to back out of something. So I, I can see them doing. We'll see. Idiots. All right. Well, we should probably uh, get done with this because I need all to right. give a uh, fresh. Gentlemen, you got 10 minutes chat. extra meta show this week. You all better be thankful. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, yeah. Thanks guys for coming. And uh, next week we'll probably have again. I don't know whether it'd be a red shirt, a black shirt, probably another red shirt. Unless there's been a, unless there's been some sort of big battle where these guys finally put their Titans on one of our keep stars. And then we'll see whether there's a, a red shirt, a black shirt, but uh uh, yeah, thanks for coming. It's great to be back. Great to have a traditional show. And uh, I'm glad that CCP gave us news to, to discuss with the quantum course. And um, yeah, there hell yeah. Go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Meta Show for the week of September 5th, 2020. I'm Brisker Ball, joined by the Matani. Pinecones, Delinda Estin. You stay classy. New Eve.